Hey friends, welcome to the Threadcast. This is Ryan Smith, pastor at Common Thread Church. Hope you're having a good day today. Uh, this Threadcast is uh, Common, Thread, Common Thread's way of diving deeper into the subjects we're walking through and talking about and uh, hopefully um, challenge each other to have discussion on it. Um, this is our goal not just to to look at scripture or not just to look at topics and just study them, but actually to to figure out how they apply to us. How do we live them out? And so we're in the midst of this study right now called The Best of Romans, Replacing Power and Privilege with Peace. And we're actually walking through uh, the book of Romans backwards. We're using Scott McKnight's book, um, Reading Romans Backwards, to help guide us in this. And so um, we've started in chapter 16, kind of working our way back. And right now, we're actually kind of in a mini-series inside of this series itself. And um, in Romans 12 through 16, kind of the last uh, section of Romans, uh, Paul brings forth this concept of live theology, this idea of what it means to actually uh, live um, out what you believe. You know, that it's not just meant to study, but it's actually to be lived. And and so for Paul, it's presented like in Romans 12, 1 through 2, this idea that you are to be transformed like Christ, this concept that you are to become like Christ. Again, it's not this idea, this quest for perfection, but it is also meant to challenge us that we're not meant to stay where we're at, that we're meant to be something more. And so he says um, in Romans 12 through 16, he doesn't give like a list, but there is a, these three markers that come out of what it means to be transformed like Christ. And so last week we talked about the concept of what it means to be God-oriented, this idea that your life is dedicated to something greater than you are, the divine, or you know, for Paul, it's specifically God, Yahweh, um, that what it looks like to give your life to them and what it means to spend a relationship with them. The second marker that we're talking about this week is um, it's called the body of Christ oriented, and that's just churchy words for this concept of church of, uh, of of believers, this group of people who come together to share intentionality. And I want you to hear um, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, in Jesus' teaching, there is this concept, this invitation for everyone. But there all there also is a, a distinction for those who are in, for those who are a part of the kingdom, for those who have joined in, who who've given their lives, who who are a part of this. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that, that um, love or grace is not extended to others, but there is something about what it means to be a part of uh, uh, the body of Christ, to be a part of the church. And so um, that's the second marker. And that's what we're going to talk about. And so for, for Common Thread, um, the three markers um, that we talk about, what does it mean to be a Christ follower, to be someone who's striving to become transformed like Christ? We use the concept of this triangle. Um, we talk about the up, in and out, that that they're all relational, that the up is the is the is the God-oriented relationship. The in is the body of Christ oriented and the out is kind of the mission that we'll talk about next week. Um, but for today, we're in this concept, this, this, this discussion about the body of Christ. Um, but um, we have to go back to um, last week's first. Um, the idea of God orientation and to have a relationship with the divine. Um, there's a real temptation when you start talking about having a relationship with the divine or, or with the spiritual or with God. This, this, it's, it really can have this temptation to become very, uh, individual, individualistic, um, to be very singular, right? Focused on my relationship with God. It's just me and God. But I want you to hear that for Paul, that when you talk about being God oriented, to have a relationship with, with, um, the divine, with Yahweh, um, that it is never exclusive of others. 
um, that there's always this concept that when you have a, a relationship with the divine, that, that there is there's others that are involved. And so the passage I want to point us to first is is this Romans twelve three through five, and it's right after Romans twelve one through two, um, with this idea of as he's just challenged them to become more um, God oriented. Uh, in one through two, he then comes down and he immediately says this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith of God, the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So a few thoughts here that I want to kind of bring out. And so this this first concept of do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Um, this can have kind of two meanings, right? One is that um, if you go this individualistic route, is that it's real easy to think, well, man, I'm I'm great, um, and, and I can have a relationship with God. I don't need the church. I don't need all those hypocrites. I don't need any of this. That me and God were good to go, right? Um, and, and there's a lot of people who talk that way that, that say that you know you don't need to be a part of the church. You don't need to be um, devoted to to a group of people to to have a relationship with God. And I would suggest that that is not part of the formula here. Um, and, and so, you know, there's this temptation to think that you don't think highly of yourself, that, that you can do it with God all on your own, right? Uh, but then there's another way to look at that, that kind of phrase, um, is that if you do embrace the community, that sometimes, and as we've seen in Romans, it talks about the weak and the strong, that sometimes the community itself can be divided, right? That some people can think of themselves more highly than the others, that I know more than you, or I have a better relationship with God, or that I carry more cloud, or I've done, I've done this, or I've done that. I might be weak, you might be strong, or you know, or I might be strong, you might be weak. Whatever it is, there is this temptation that when you're a part of a group to start uh, to compare and to then, you know, the temptation to think of yourself more highly, right? Um but he goes on to say, no, 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 you, you guys, you're not getting it. This, this body concept is that when you become part of this body, that each member belongs to all the others, that there is not one greater than the other, that when you are the finger or the foot or the nose or the mouth, whatever it might be, um, you belong to all the others, right? And there's and there's not this sense of ownership, but almost this this idea of submission that that's what it means to be a part of the body. So there's that part of this, and there's something else I want to kind of bring out to you. Um, you know, when we think of the concept of body, we immediately go to the human figure, right? And and, and rightly so. Um, I think that that's a, that's where they're going with this. And I think there's other times where Paul references the body specifically, but I also want to just kind of throw something out to you that I think is kind of neat to think through as well. And it's this idea um, that the word body um, in the Greek the, is the word soma. Um, and this is a, another reference to the Greek. So, so, so we are in Rome, right? Um, and the Rome has the Roman Empire, and it's very uh, governmental um, drawn, or focused, right? And so the word soma... Um, the word body would also be defined for people a, a body of politics. Um, and so so it's the same word here. And then if you think start thinking about the word church, and that the word is ecclesia, the word ecclesia can also reference um, gathered citizens 
in a political assembly. So, what I want you to hear is that when the original readers heard this reference, they didn't just think of the physical body reference, but when they heard the word soma and the word ecclesia, that there was political political overtones, um, that they would not have missed this. And so, um, again, remember that we're talking about how to replace power and privilege with peace. What the original readers would have heard is that these local house churches that exist in Rome, that they have the potential to be an alternative body of politics. Okay? Um, So remember, we've been talking about how we place power and privilege with peace. There's a third way of thinking. It's not this idea that we're going to create this vicious cycle of we're going to replace power with more power. We're going to take over, you know, the way that the Jews expected, right? You know, Jesus is the king and he's going to come in and conquer Rome. That's not what is happening here. But at the same time, it's not this, I'm a whipping boy and I'm going to do nothing. Just turn the other cheek and and, and there's nothing challenging there because Jesus never does that. Jesus doesn't doesn't, uh, allow us to be weak. He causes us to be strong. But in a different way. And so this is Paul's introduction to how to replace power and privilege, how to attack the political structure is through the body, through the church, through the soma, through the ecclesia. Now, if you want to dive deeper into this, um, and this is, might be a little too deep for some of you, um, not that I'm smarter than you, but it just, it's just, I, I'm still wrestling with this concept as well, but it's, it's a really cool thing to think through. So if the church is the church, and, and then this, this ecclesia becomes this political uh, alternative, if you will, um, you also have to recognize that when, when Paul talks about the church, he also talks about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that animates the church. He's the one that gives the power to the church. And through the Spirit and through the, 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 the kingship of Christ and the Holy Spirit, that this new body politic of church, of ecclesia, is also offering a new emperor. That there's a new emperor in town through these local churches. Uh, and man, that is a powerful thought, because if you have to remember that the Roman Empire emperor, Nero, he was, in some instances, considered God. At the very least, he considered himself placed there by God, right? That he is um, the divine for them, And so these new house churches with this new political overtone not just offer a different governance, but a new emperor, a new devotion, that when you devoted yourself to this body, to this church, um, that something um, was afoot, that you were replacing power and privilege, but not in the way that it's always done before. Something to think about. Um, so... So we're, we're challenged to, to uh, live in a body, to live in a, in a group of people, to be devoted to this, this new political overtone, if you will. And so how do you do it? And there's lots of ways that you can read um, in, in Romans 12, 13, and 14, and even 15 and 16 about how to do this. Um, but I want to point out um, two verses real quick. And, uh, and this really... Um, there's more to each one of these, but I just have time to just do the, these two verses real quick because they have the same concept here. And it's Romans 14.1. It says, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. And so um, there's this idea of accepting those um, who you differ with. 
And then if you go to 15.7, it also says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now this word accept, again, get into the Greek a little bit. Um, it's the same um, in both in 14.1 and 15.7. It's the same word that can also be translated as welcome. And um, it's not just this idea of, yeah, I accept you, but you're still on the outside. Or, yeah, you know, you're my brother, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't mean that. what this word accept or this word welcome infers is this idea of tele, tele, table fellowship. This idea that you are inviting this other person into your life, into your world, into your existence figuratively, but also literally that you invite them to your house, to your table, because table fellowship was not just a meal, but there was something theological, something political, it was something um, socioeconomic. It It was this concept of acceptance. And so he's challenging them, hey, Christ accepted you. He welcomed you into his family and literally invites you to his table and provides for you. And so I am challenging you to do the same to others. That you are called to to not to to be the body. You have to invite others into your world at your table, figuratively and literally, to be a part of my kingdom. That's what it means to be um, body of Christ oriented. That you, to to focus on your end. And so, you know, okay, okay, I get this. This, this is, this is a big deal because it's really, it's, it's, you're not just inviting people that you like, but it's, it's saying, hey, there are people out there who call themselves believers who are following Jesus, but you guys differ on a lot of things and you think differently. And so, um, and, and it's really easy to separate. Um, but no, I want you guys to share life together. And so you think, okay, why, why do we do this? And, and Paul lays this out in the next few verses, eight through 13. I want to kind of walk you through this. Um, so in 8 and 9 of chapter 15, he says this, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and, moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And so here, Paul is making a bold statement that he says that Jesus became a servant of the Jews and a servant of the Gentiles. That this is a reference to the idea that, that when Jesus came, you know, it, you know, we had the Jewish system set up, right? That the Jewish were God's chosen people. The, the Jewish nation um, had centuries of, 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 of truth of how God worked through them, that he separated them and called them apart. To, and they were the ones who were going to bring God's truth and bring forth his kingdom. And that's the way they had always lived. But then Paul says that Jesus um, agrees with that, but he did something more and it exploded it out to the Gentiles. And so in their understanding of this Jew and Gentile, that was everybody, that you were either a Jew or you were a Gentile. That was the only two distinctions in the world at the time for them. And so this is a declaration that that Christ, his kingdom, his body is for everyone. And then Paul goes on to say, "Hey, if you don't believe me, I'm going to." He, he in ten through twelve, he starts quoting Old Testament scripture, and these in in, in, uh, in quotation marks. These are all um, different passages. Of the Old Testament says, "As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name." Again, it says, "Rejoice, you Gentiles, 
with this people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up one who will rise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. And so the, the Jewish nation hearing this um, might think, whoa, whoa, this is something new. This is something new. You know, this idea that Gentiles are welcomed into God's kingdom. And, and Paul is saying, no, no, no. This has been a part of the plan for all along. Look at the Old Testament. You might have, These are verses you might have forgot about. Um, this has been God's plan that, that he is for everyone and that everyone has an invitation to be part of God's body, his community, the, the, the in, if you will. And then they, he closes this with kind of an, an exhortation. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. This idea that, that he, he's almost making the statement, I understand that for the weak and the strong, for, for those who disagree, it is going to be hard to share your table together, to share life together. But I want to fill you with joy and peace so that you can trust him in in, in living out this way, in living uh, at the same table as those that you might hate, that you might think that, that what they say is completely wrong. But but he's saying, no, 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 there's something beautiful to this. There's this, that, 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 that when this happens, um, that my hope, shines to the world. Um, and that's powerful, right? Um, so I want you to think about this. Why is this so important? Why is this, you know, it's, it, there's one thing to have, you know, we all understand to have the in-group, right? There's always, there's clubs, there's, there's all kinds of things that go on. We understand what it means to be a part of this, but usually those groups um, are similar. They're, they're, they're people who agree, who, who look like talk alike, you know, have the same language, all this kind of stuff. But what God is saying is that my body, my my church, my community is going to be a group of people who differ, who disagree. And if we're honest, you know, uh, splitting up, segregating, segregating into different groups, it happens. It, it happens in churches, right? Um, and there's even passages in Scripture where it's okay sometimes to split, Right? We get that. The world gets that. But splitting and separating is not supernatural. What is truly supernatural is when a groups when groups of people come together who shouldn't come together and live at peace and live with joy and share life together. That is truly what is infectious about what it means to be transformed by Christ. And so... The idea here, the second marker as someone who is is being transformed like Christ is to be committed to God's body, to Christ's body. And I want you to hear this, that there is a distinction here, that there is this this qualification, if you will, that it's not just a group of people wanting to get together and and share meals and recipes, that kind of stuff, but it really is a a, um, people who have... Um, given to the first marker, have given that that we are going to dedicate our lives to um, Yahweh, to God, to the divine, to something greater than we are, and that we're going to walk together in that as a group. And so, something um, you know, we we get into now. So, what do we do with this? What do we? What? How do we wrestle with this? How does this become something um, 
that we that changes who we are. And so, you know, here's some application questions I want to give you. Um, for for us at Common Thread, sometimes we talk about this. So what? What is? So what does this mean for us? What are we going to do with this? So I want to leave you with um, three questions to wrestle with. And the first one is this: Are you connected to the end? Now, again, I want to reference that the N is my is, is Common Thread's language. This is us using our triangle. Um, are you connected to the body of Christ? Are you connected to church? Are you connected to uh, the N? But I want you to hear this, that when you answer this question, it doesn't just simply mean, um, it's not asking, do you go to church? Do you attend a worship service? What is really happening here, it, it's, it's are you connected to people? Are you sharing life? Are you sharing a table with people? Are you sh- literally, um, are you sharing um, something deeper? And, and, you know, and it's really easy these days to go to church, to, to clock in, sit wherever you want to sit, do your thing, and then get out and, and call that good for the rest of the week. Being committed to the body of Christ, being oriented to that, it's not just a one day a week, a one hour a week kind of deal. There's something deeper to it that you're committed to sharing life. The other thing is when we say, are you connected to the end? Are you connected to a group of people? It's not just a group of friends. It's people who are centered on the divine, who are centered on Jesus as Lord. And, 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 um, it's it's a it's a dedicated group of people other than just a social club. The second question is this: Is your in diverse? Now, when we talk about diversity, um, that's a big catchword these days, right? You know, you got cultural diversity, racial diversity, economic diversity, all that kind of stuff, and those are all great, right? Those are important. Um, but the, the the challenge here. Um, even if you take it into Romans, is, is those things are challenges as well that you're supposed to ask this question, but also are you theologically diverse? And that is the kicker, is that our end should never all look the same. And that's tough because because it's hard to have an in group, right? It's hard to have a group of people that you share life with, and and especially if if we disagree on things, if we don't see, you know, if there's some things that we that we post about that is very different. But to be someone who's transformed like Jesus, your in is going to be diverse. Your in is going to have people who see Scripture differently, who talk differently, who have different economic um, resources, you know, all of those things that, that your end is not meant to be uh, one color, if you will. And the second question is, what does hospitality look like today? Um, this is more kind of abstract, but I think it's something that we need to wrestle with. This idea of what is what does it look like to have table fellowship this day? You know, because we have COVID, right? And it's hard to to have people literally at your table. Um, and then technology, right? We've got more people who are more connected technologically. You know, we have we carry smartphones with us everywhere we go, and we have access to all these different things. And so what is it going to look like um, to share life, to share tables? And I think literally there is the idea of what it means to share a meal. I think there's something beautiful in that. Um, and I think there's something biblical in that. And I think that's, that will never go away. But at the same time, we always need to be asking ourselves, what is, 
What is the concept of hospitality? How can it look differently in today's age and with today's resources? What are ways that we can show hospitality that are unique um, to our culture and to our setting, but at the same time still show um, what it means to be hospitable? In Romans, you also are going to see in these these chapters 12 through 16, you're going to see the concept of what it means um, to not put stumbling blocks. You know, if we're going to be if we're going to be a diverse group of people, if our end is going to be diverse, then ways that we fight that is not to put stumbling blocks in in, in the way. And so for me, you know, um, you know, there's, there's questions about mask, right? You know, do I only have people over that are going to wear masks, or do I only have people over who won't wear masks, or whatever it might be? You know, there's that kind of concept, or you know, it could be as simple as, um, and when I have people over, um, what if they're vegan? What if they're vegetarian? What if, <laughs> what if we're just meat eaters? You know, there's all kinds of questions of what that means, and so, so it's it's really when you're being hospitable. It's not just what makes me comfortable and what I'm comfortable with, and then if you don't like it, you can suck it up. It's my house or it's my it's my group, right? No, the idea of what it means to be have a diverse group is that you think of ways that your life could be a stumbling block to someone else, and you try to find ways to be more inclusive than exclusive. And so those are the questions I want to give to you to wrestle with. Um, we're going to talk about those in, in, in Faith Life this week. Um, what does that look like for you? I'd love to have your... your um, your, your thoughts on that, but I, I don't want to miss this opportunity. At Common Thread, um, the way that we're living out our in um, is is, a, is what we call our table groups. And what these are for us is literally, um, we are taking table fellowship literal. Um, but we have small groups of people. Um, it's not a small group Bible study. I want you to hear that. It's a group of people who meet two to three times a month um, who are consistent in, in sharing life together. They get together around a table sometimes. Sometimes they, uh, you know, with, with COVID now, it's hard to do that literally. So we found unique ways to do that. Sometimes we get around campfires. Sometimes we have people bring their own meals. But it's this idea that you're going to get together and you are going to be intentional about what it means to live the up, in, and out. And that it's going to be a smaller group of people who are connected to each other and who are intentional in sharing life and looking out for each other. And so, um, and also, um, our, our table groups have a service component to them as well. It's not just meant to be this little cloister of people that build walls around that no one's welcome in, but it's also how are our table groups going to serve our people that we're in our, in our circles that are in, we're in contact with, whether it's our community, whether it's work, whether it's at school. And so, and we're challenging people to do that as well. And so, um, if you uh, want to take a deeper step in what it means to have an in-group and know what that looks like, let us know. Um, we are building table groups all the time, and we are we are located um, in different places now. Um, we're located in, in central Arkansas. Uh, we have uh, people in Indiana, and we also even have people now in the U.K., and so if you're in those areas, then we can push you into a table group immediately and get you going. But also, if you're not, if you're listening to this Threadcast from a, a different location, but this really interests you, let us know because we are very intentional about building these little micro churches, if you will, um, these table groups in where you're at. You know, it's not meant that you have to come to us. If we build it, you will come. No, it's it's we have something that we want to share that you begin to build. And so if that interests you as well, let us know and we can um, help you get that started. So that's what it, that's the second marker is that we are people who are committed to the body of Christ, to church, to the end. 
hope that gives you something to chew on, uh, and I hope that you have a great week. Um, please join us in our Faith Life application in the discussion of this further. Have a great day. Grace and peace.